tuned into Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Tune in right now. What's going on, my beautiful people? It's Thursday, you know what that means. Another great day here inside the Black Actors Studio. I'm your host, Danny Royce, and joining me today in the studio is an amazing, talented director and producer. I produced and directed the award-winning four-part series, Black is the New Black, and also one of UK's 100 most influential black people alongside the Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle great pleasure to have him in the studio. I'd like to welcome the Black Actors Studio. It's very proud to have Simon. Frederick, what's up? And how are you? I'm very well. Great to have you in here. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. How are you today? I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. excited to be here. Good. I'm glad you are. Thank I'm you. excited to have you. <laughs> so first, I want to uh, congratulate you on uh, They've Gotta Have Us. All right. The series, I, I mean, I was just, just reading the synopsis and all that. It's it's actually really incredible. And I'm so excited to have you here in the studio because this is that's the basis of what this show was built on, you know, uh, just bringing uh, light to our people and the history and our amazingness, our blackness, right? So um, I want to ask you, what was like one of the, the, the first things that, that came to your mind about creating this, this series? It's exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, we're exceptional. Yes. You know, it's like I, I grew up watching exceptional performances from, you know, uh, incredible artists. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was when I was a kid seeing, um, you know, like those great Roman um, films, yeah. you know, um, and there was this black guy um, that, that was, was in this film. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like built, you know, like, <laughs> like you know, like a muscle man. Right. Um, but he was beating white people, mm. you know, and I, and I just thought there's a guy that's winning. Mm. You know, and he was a great actor. His name was Willie Strode. Yes. Yeah, you know, and uh, Willie Strode was an, an amazing actor, but he was the first person that that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I just kept seeing these performances after performances after performances of really, you know, superb people. And I'm, you know, and then you get to see like uh, Trading Places, and yes. you know, and Eddie Murphy. You know, <laughs> uh, being Eddie Murphy, yeah, uh, and you know, I just thought that that was amazing because here was a black man walking through the white world and him being unapologetically black, mm. and uh, okay. that that really that really inspired me. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about uh, they've got to have us later on the show, but here in the studio, we like to start at the, at the beginning. Where were you born? Okay, I was born in London. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be telling you the truth of my background. Okay. <laughs> From the accent, right? Uh, how was the dynamics in your, your household? Well, when I was, uh, say, for about the age of six mm-hmm. uh, until uh, I was about nine, uh, I spent most of that time in Grenada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, that was incredible, you know, because uh, growing up in a, in a black country, you know, everyone's black. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yes, it's a colonialized country. Um, it comes from colonial past. So you're aware of racism, but you don't encounter it every day. Mm. Uh, I remember when I went back to London um, and being in um, in what we call junior school. Okay. Uh, and I remember reading this book and they asked me to read a passage. 
and I had this Grenadian accent. And uh, so I, I remember, I can't remember the full passage, but, but there was, it was like the man, the man confronted the skeleton. Mm. And the teacher said to me, Fredericks, spell skeleton. And I spelt skeleton. But then I kept reading it as Skellington. Mm. And they sent me out of the class. Really? Yeah. And I couldn't understand why he was sending me out of the class. But he felt that I was, you know, can, can I swear on here? Or? Yeah, 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 drop yeah. it, drop okay. it. Okay. <laughs> he felt that I was taking the piss. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and okay. I wasn't. You know, it's, it's, uh, so that made me realize when I got a bit older and I started to challenge the status quo in school mm-hmm. um, that... Uh, I realized that my teachers were not culturally aware. Right, right. Um, and I think that that's something which is, you know, living in the Western world. Of course. It doesn't matter whether I live in England or I live in America. And trust me when I say, you know, there's a lot of people here who really believe that um, that in Britain we don't have racism. <laughs> Uh, we we have had just as bad racism mm. that as you guys have had here. Mm-hmm. You know, we have had a civil rights movement which has followed the American civil rights movement, mm-hmm. but we have been beaten, we have been chased, we've been bitten by dogs. You know, we've had all of that. You know, right. um, my parents went to went to the United Kingdom in the sixties, uh, and when they arrived there, there were signs on windows saying. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs, mm. you know. So, you know, they'd go and rent a room and they'd turn up and they'd, they'd be told that there were, there were no more spaces. Right. You know, somebody white turns up, they could rent the room, you know. Right. So it, was, it really was not uh, an easy time growing up in, in England in, yeah. like, the 70s and the 80s. It was, it was quite difficult. I mean, just to be, you know, compared to a dog, like, what, what is, you know, like... That's just that's crazy, crazy. Um, but we've come a long way. We still have a long way to go. Um, I do want to touch on uh, just a moment um, about Meghan Markle and um, Harry and that whole um, uh, leaving the the line, so to speak. What are your thoughts on on that? Um, it's it's an interesting question. Um, I I did a radio interview in London about about this, and I said, "Look, um, I'm not coming on here to talk about Harry and Meghan and mm-hmm. their decision because I don't know them. Yes, yeah, and I don't know what the basis of their decision is okay. really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but from my observation, um, has the media been racist towards her? Well, hell yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know, when I've spoken to uh, my white colleagues and friends about this, uh, I just say to them. This is really simple, yeah. Um, when you when you were growing up, yeah, if you brought home um, a person of color to and said to them, "This is someone I'm going to marry," what would they say? Hmm. Right, yeah? right. They they would be concerned that because in their minds they had this vision that yep. you know that you know we do it in a black community, yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. it it's something you know. So my thing is always break it down to its fundamentals. Yes. Yeah, correct. What I do believe is that happened, though, is that I think that when the wedding happened, the whole world was was happy for them. Mm-hmm. Then when they had uh, the child, yeah, she she put up brick walls, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that if you're going into uh, the the queen is a matriarch in this in this uh, environment, yeah. it's like it's like it's like going into a, any family, okay, and you have 
you know, your mother or grandmother is your matriarch. You know, she's the leader Correct. of your family. Right. And then you have, you bring in, you know, your new partner and new wife, and she wants to be the matriarch straight away. Yeah. Mm. It causes disturbance. Yes. Yeah. And I think that um, Megan didn't do herself any favors. She had the, 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 um, the public on her side, but then she did things where the public, you know, basically became turned off. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that fundamentally has been a problem as well. And the last point I think with, with Megan is Harry has come out and publicly said that he believes the treatment of his wife has been racist. Right. But we've never heard Megan come out and publicly mm. say it. And if she hasn't said it, it means that people can continually say that it's not racist mm. because she hasn't said it. Mm. Yeah. That's a very good point. Um, so growing up, did you? What were some of the, the, the shows or any any influential uh, filmmakers that really really wanted you to get into this industry? Um, I didn't want to get into this industry. Mm. I had no I had no um, aspirations to become. Uh, an artist or a filmmaker okay. or a photographer. Okay. I thought that was something that other people did. Uh-huh. You know, that were far more talented than me, far you know, far better looking than me, <laughs> far richer than me. <laughs> um, you know, I know you're not agreeing with that, but hey, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but that's what I that's what I believed. Yeah. And, um, hmm. You know, so it, it wasn't something that really was on my radar. But okay. at the same time. I admired those people, you know. I really, I really felt that I had an affinity for filmmakers, you know. Um, when uh, when um, John Singleton made um, Boys, Boys in the, in the Hood, Hood, yes, yeah, I loved, Classic. I loved that film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I heard he was nineteen when he made it, you know, it was like I couldn't believe that there was this guy uh, with similar ages and. You know, I know what I was doing at 19, mm-hmm. yeah, and I wasn't writing <laughs> scripts, yeah. right? So, you know, it's like it, it was like it was awe inspiring, you mm-hmm. know. I, but then I, I just thought that they were these people were superhuman. I thought they were on a completely different plane, right? You yeah. thought it was kind of like uh, un, unattainable, and so and yeah, so to speak. Be, because because I, I think <laughs> that uh, for 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 black people, for black kids, even for working class white kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not told that, you, you know, when you go to school, uh, no one ever tells you what you really could be or no one ever mm, asks you yes. what, what you would like to be. Right. Yeah. Um, right. All that happens is, is you go through a school system and uh, it churns you out at the end. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's it. Definitely. Yeah. What, was, what did you get into um, after school? Like what, what profession did you find yourself in? Sorry, can I blow my Yeah, let's go yeah. right in. No worries. <laughs> We could. Um, this is pre-taped, so we can take yeah, that sure. out. Yeah, sure. I, yeah. <laughs> I gathered that. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna re-ask the question. Okay. You know? yeah. um, so what? What was uh, some of the professions that you found yourself getting into after school? Well, um, actually, during school, um, uh, um, from a very young age, I was always drawing. Mm, okay. I, I always used to draw. Yes. Uh, my my West Indian father, you know, who was. Know, really wanted me to have a career and be safe in mm-hmm. an unsafe England. Mm, yeah, it yeah. was like you know, get a book, yes. you know, read books, right. you know, do maths, uh, get a good job. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he wasn't really keen on me drawing, but my mum really encar- encouraged it. 
mm. you know, and uh, you know, and my mum passed away some years ago, but I I always give you know praise to her because I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for her understanding that that you know, I I think that in the black community, it's really important that we as parents allow our children to dream. Yes, and we don't yes. we don't kill our children's dreams. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my mum allowed me to be a dreamer. I remember I went to on holiday to Grenada, mm-hmm. and when I arrived in 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 my grandmother's house, my grandmother had framed all these pictures that I had drawn that my mum had sent to her in Grenada, mm-hmm. and it's like it just melt melted my heart as a kid. Wow. You know that my grandmother was the first person to put my art up on her walls. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's such an incredible feeling. Um, it's it's interesting also that you brought up about the the dreams uh, and not you know killing especially in our community. Um, do you find that that's happening? I mean, maybe in the past it's happened a lot more, but uh, now, do you think that's uh, something that's really prevalent or that we're kind of getting away from that? I don't. I think we're getting away from that because we're, we're in a, this social media yeah. type <laughs> world where anyone can be an entrepreneur if they really want to be. Right. And, that, and that's a wonderful thing. But I think back in the day, there was a certain generation of parents who... They, you know, if you said to them, "Look, I want to be a filmmaker or I want to be an artist," they were like, "What? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> what is that? Yeah, I want to go to art school. What, what do you want to do that for? Would you want to go and smoke weed and yeah, you know, like and mm-hmm. laze around? No, there there are careers in these things, but they didn't know about this mm-hmm. stuff. You know, their their education about these careers were very limited right. or non-existent. Right. You know, so I think to to a certain extent, you know our generation has educated our parents right. in terms of possibility. Uh, my dad is completely different now, fully supportive of my career, mm-hmm. um, loves it. You know, we'll tell everyone, you know, my son have a show on Netflix, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now he's like, yes, I got yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that, that <laughs> that's amazing. But um, yeah, when... When did you make that transition to like, okay, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to, you know, you, you said John Singleton was uh, someone that you kind of, um, that kind of caught your eye with Boys in the Hood. Um, when did you make that decision? Or I'm going to, I'm going to go into filmmaking. I'm going to give my artistry a try. Okay. Um, so I was 38 when I picked up a camera mm, and okay. started taking pictures, which is late mm. yeah. uh, and when I got to 40 um, I had quite a successful career uh, in communications mm-hmm. and um, I went to my partners and said I'm leaving mm-hmm. and they thought I was crazy mm-hmm. um, I made a portfolio spent about a year making a portfolio and I went round um, to a lot of people who uh, were my clients or people that I had employed mm-hmm. um, and showed them that portfolio and they all said to me, don't do it. Mm. You're not good enough. Mm. You know, don't really don't do this. Wow. Yeah. And um, I don't know, maybe it's the, the stubborn you know, <laughs> side of me. You yeah. Know, from come way back from the ancestors. Yeah. That got us through slavery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, I just followed my, what I knew. I followed my instincts. I followed what I believed was the right path for me. That's awesome. Um, but there was there was a transition because I was a music photographer. Okay. And I've worked with some, you know, I've 
photographed many bands and artists around the world, you know, big name people, mm -hmm. whatever. And um, some people would say to me, you know, it's like, that was a really great session. You, you should shoot my music video. And I would say to them, I'm not a director. Mm. And I said that for years uh, because I really did believe that to become a director, I needed to go to film school. I needed to study the art. I right, needed to understand right. the craft. Okay. And I couldn't just pick up a camera and say, I am a director. Yeah. Um, but then I started to, to shoot the odd music video. And I remember shooting a music video for a young guy called Calvin Colt, um, who's German. And he's now become like a huge megastar yep. in Germany mm -hmm. um, and, and across the world, certain parts of the world as well. And it was um, a friend of mine, um, Savannah Giesler. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give Savannah a call out. Yes, Savannah sure. is, uh, is uh, quite a high profile producer. Um, she works with a, a director called Johan Rank. Okay. And um, they basically, they did the music videos, last music videos for uh, when David Bowie died. Oh, they wow. They made all those videos. Wow, yeah. okay. And she said to me, metaphorically speaking, you need to come out of the closet with your directing. Yes. Yeah, because you are making stuff for people who... Uh, you're doing it for little or no money mm. and you're making magic out of stuff so go and direct and it was it was her forthrightness uh, and slight bullying <laughs> um, that I decided that I was gonna uh, you know try my hand at this so that's amazing yeah that's how I began that's how you began and I want to talk about um, uh, black is a new black so okay tell us about uh, the the start of that. The, the, where where did you get the idea of creating the four-part series? Very similar to creating this. Mm -hmm. um, again, frustration. Mm. Um, I'm living in England. Um, I'm reading the newspapers, and it's constantly telling me that in the, the black community is a failing community, educationally, financially, all of these things. Mm -hmm. But yet I look around me and I see talent. Yeah. You know, Naomi Campbell is a world star. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are other people who are doing stuff. And it's across the board in science, in, you know, in literature. Everything. In ev <laughs> everything. Yeah. 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 And that's just Brits. I'm, I'm even talking about, you know, uh, over, over here. Yeah. And um, so I, I got really frustrated at that fact that we were being seen through a lens and that lens was not showing us in a favorable light. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember going to, my mom used to take me, sorry, I need to blow my nose again. This yeah, is no terrible. Worries. No worries. Um, uh, let's see, where did you, if you can just remember that thought and then you can say it though. Yeah, I remember. I'm a director, I remember cues. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> I was going to make a Tyler Perry joke. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Save that. We might, we might no, throw that no. in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I remember when I was younger, mm -hmm. um, my mum took me to the National Portrait Gallery, and I had a fascination for, for those portraits. I, I couldn't tell you today why. Mm -hmm. yeah, at that young age, I just was interested in staring at those portraits. Um, but they communicated to me in some way. I loved the artistry of it. Of course. Um, so when I got older, I remember walking around the gallery and thinking to myself, 
if this gallery is the um I, I, I gave it a nickname and the nickname was the um the family album of our nation's achievers. Wow. Where were where were the cousins in this? Mm. And I kept walking around. And then I remember reading this phrase, and it's a really powerful phrase, that you can tell um, the history of a nation uh, by, uh, by the people it chooses to put up on its walls. Mm. That's <laughs> deep. Wow, that is. Yeah. That is so I was like, something needs to be done about this. So I sent an email to the then director of the National Portrait Gallery, mm -hmm. a man by the name of Sandy Nairn. And to my surprise, he answered and agreed to a meeting. And I came in. I, didn't ha I hadn't shot anything. It was just an idea. And you don't go to these people with right, an idea. Right, with just an idea. <laughs> Na my naivety. Um, and I went in and told him. And he said, look, if you can do this, uh, bring the pictures here. We have a selection process. It may not be that we, we take them. Mm -hmm. But go ahead. It's a great idea. So I started to call people that I knew. I started to call people that I knew who knew other people. Um, and I started to, uh, so Black is New Black was, was meant to be just an exhibition. Mm, okay. So when I started photographing people, get them in the studio and we're photographing, they're talking to me and they're telling me about what's going on in their lives and their careers. And a lot of people were, were really struggling you know, they felt that they were the, they're having this career and they are one black person living in a silo in, in the media industry. And they were finding that um, their career progression, they were having to maneuver their career progression, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in certain ways to, to get to just to get by, right. you know, just to get the next job, just to get the next promotion, mm -hmm. whatever that was. Yeah. And that was difficult. And I kept hearing the same thing from everyone that I photographed. And I kept thinking, do they not speak to each other? Mm. Because it's, it's like going to the doctor and thinking you're the only one who has that symptom. Yeah, yeah? very true. Um, so it was, it was at that point I realized that I couldn't be the only person hearing these stories. Um, I needed to bring all those people together um, under one umbrella and get them talking about their stories. Uh, I'd never made a documentary before. Mm. Um, I'd never really filmed anything on that level. Right. Uh, I'd never had to sit down and write, uh, you know, a a structure um, that had an arc um, that took you on a journey and made points, um, or or had a thesis basis to it. Right. You know. So it was it was a really steep learning curve. And then the other thing was that Black is a New Black um, has no narration in it, and it also has no archive clips. Mm. So it's literally just those people talking just on speaking, screen. Raw, yeah. just, yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Um, but what I wanted to do was to do things which, um, which I saw that frustrated me. So, um, uh, for example, we're talking to each other here, we're having a conversation, there are cameras around us, but mm -hmm. we're not talking to our audience yeah we're talking to each other right correct. and i wanted to break that i wanted to allow the audience to be the most the most important uh people within this transaction gotcha okay. so that those people were talking the people on screen are talking directly to the audience mm -hmm. um, because that's what they did with me when we were on camera i need to blow my nose again correct <laughs>
<laughs> no, you're good. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. You, and me, you and me both. I just got over. <laughs> it's, it's his mic okay? I can't hear. Okay. Yeah? yeah? Okay. You're good. Um, so um, those people on screen, I wanted them to have a direct relationship with, with the audience. Uh, and I remember going into the BBC and I shot a little pilot and... Um, there was uh, the pilot was with um, Tiny Temper. I mm. don't know if you know yes. Tiny Temper. Uh-huh. And um, Tiny said two things which blew the the commissioners at the BBC away. The first thing he said was that he was proud to be black, and one of the commissioners was black herself, okay. and she'd never heard another black person in Britain saying that they were proud to be black Man. and British. Man, that's good. yeah, crazy. Uh, because usually in Britain, there was this thing where black people would say, you know, if their parents were Nigerian, they say I'm Nigerian. Or if your mm-hmm. parents are Grenadian, you say I'm Grenadian. It's, right. You know, be never identified with being English or Scottish or, or Welsh Scottish, or yeah. whatever. But he said he identified with that. And the other thing that uh, he identified with, which was really stunning, uh, because it proved that um, we as black people didn't have, we don't really understand our own diversity. No, yeah. that is very true. Yeah, and also, you know, uh, I, I don't think white people understand our diversity either. No. <laughs> no. But they don't care. <laughs> but we don't really understand our diversity because he says something profound. Um, in Black History Month in England, which is in November, mm. uh, by the way, mm. um, in schools, all they teach you about is slavery. Yes, which I believe is the same here. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he went home and he said to his mum, Mum, were we slaves? Mm. And she said, have you lost your mind? And he said, well, at school, we're, it's Black History Month, and they're saying that we, we're slaves. And she says, listen, your father is from Nigeria. His father is from Nigeria. His father was from Nigeria. And his father was from Nigeria. We were never slaves. Mm. Yeah. Not all of us, not all black people were slaves right. or went through slavery. Correct. Yeah. You know? uh, and that is really uh, a profound thought. And when we presented that, they were like, wow, this is amazing. Mm. But um, you can't make it. You can't make the show like that. You know, we don't make television this way. Yeah. Uh, and I said, that's the way I'm going to make it or I'm not going to make it at all. There you go. <laughs> so they said to us, okay, if you could prove to us that it would work, uh-huh. you know, name a, give us an example of something that works um, in a same kind of format. Um, and if your answer's good enough, we'll commission it. So I thought for a second, I thought, actually, there is something. There's a radio show in England. It's been on, I'm not sure if it's 50 or 60 years, this radio show's been on. Every year its audience grows. Yeah, wow. and it's a radio play. It's a drama. Yeah, wow. I can't see the characters. Yeah, I don't know anything about their locations because it's it's just voice. Right. So I said, yeah, there's a show called The Archers. It's just voice. Yeah, and in mine, you're you're able to see the people. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't argue against that, so wow. they commissioned it. Wow. Yeah. What was what's one of the? Um, would you say one of your biggest challenges? 
um, in in doing this series, and I mean, they've got to have us. What was one of your biggest challenges you ran to as a filmmaker? Being black. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> that takes the cake. Ninety nine point nine percent of people who work in television or work in film uh, will never have the chance to work with a black director. Wow, that is a large percentage. <laughs> um, and when you walk on set, um, so I walk on set uh, first day, and my my I was talking about this earlier. Um, I shot my pilot, and I had a, a team, and I knew what everyone did, and uh, I was told that um, that what um, as this was being commissioned that. Um, the broadcaster would surround me with talent, mm-hmm. okay, or surround me with experience, and I'd be the talent. And what I ran into there was a lot of people telling me, and this happens in television a lot, where if you are new to television, um, those people who have two, three, four, ten, twenty, thirty, forty years experience, they feel like they're veterans in the army. Right. They have stripes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they will tell you that. Um, no, th- we don't do that in television. We don't do it that way. We don't, you know, we do it this way. No, that's a great idea, but that will never work. Right. Yeah. And you can do two things. You can defer your responsibility to them, okay, mm-hmm. and take on board what they do and let them lead you, yeah, and yeah. compromise your idea. Right. Or you can be like me, stubborn. And you say, no, listen, it's like, I wrote this thing. Yeah? Yeah. I understand what all the problems are because basically I wrote, I am, in creating the idea, the first thing you work out is what the problems are. Right. And then you eliminate those. So all you're left with is, is what I call the sweet spots. Yeah? Yeah. So I'm going to stick with that because I know intrinsically what I'm doing. Also, I was making something that people had, they hadn't seen that before on television. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those guys who had experience, they were coming at it from the same point of view. We were all at a starting point because none of us had made this before. Yeah. Yeah. So really, um, the struggle was one being a black director and not being respected um, by uh, white colleagues. And the other thing was uh, the lack of experience um, that they had um in terms of this idea that I was, you know, my idea, I knew my idea. Um, and and basically, I was the only experienced person in that room at that mm. point because it was my idea. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, those were the difficulties. Wow. Um, it's So you have, I mean, there's a, a lot of contributors uh, to They've Gotta Have Us. Yeah. Um, you know, Barry Jenkins, Jesse Williams. I mean, the list goes on. It's really amazing. Don Cheeto. Um, how was getting these people on board? Um, how was how was that process for you? So um, we first made this um, this TV show um, with the BBC, mm-hmm. and when they commissioned it, they were look, this is this is great, but will you get those people? Because anyone who's made television knows that um, people will pitch an idea, and they'll come with this long list. Yeah. Know? They'll resurrect the dead and put it on the list. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so people make big promises. And a lot of people uh, have made, uh, you know, still make shows today. They promise the world 
okay, and when you see what they actually deliver, it's like it's completely different. Completely, right. Yeah. Um, we don't get to do that though. Um, if we say that we have to, we're going to deliver Naomi Campbell or whoever it is. If I said I was going to deliver, you know, um, Harry Belafonte, I had to. Otherwise, yeah. they were going to look at me, and it didn't matter who else I had. They wouldn't say you didn't deliver this guy. Mm-hmm. You failed. Yeah. Mm. So um, we were worried about it. Um, I was worried about it because um, most of the contributors list um, is American. Um, they don't know me. Right. Um, they, you know, uh, didn't know my work. Yeah, so they were going to have to take a leap of faith. Right. And also they're going to have to take a leap of faith in a project, which is a black project, which is about uh, the talking literally you're talking against the industry you know to a certain extent right so agents are going to say no mm-hmm. you're not going to do that you're going to alienate your audience Correct. yeah, yeah. so sure. so people don't speak out because uh it's not the it's not the right thing to do um so we were worried about that i mean yeah i i had sleepless nights over this yeah you know um and then in the office we had a left hand wall which was all the people that we wanted. Mm-hmm. And then we had a right-hand wall, which was full of pictures of all of the, the, um, all of the contributors that was our wish list. Mm. Yeah? Gotcha. Okay. So you get into work in the morning. You're like, okay, these are all the people that we want. You look at the other wall, and the other wall was blank. <laughs> and you start thinking, right, um, who's going to be the first one? Is anyone going to come through? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's... It's, it was an amazing journey to see um, the right hand wall lose its pictures and the left hand wall started to fill up, fall up. Right. Uh, and the left hand wall ended up with more pictures on it than the right hand wall. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's an, it's an amazing, like I said before, a project. Um, and congratulations again. You definitely checked it out. Uh, they've got to have us on Netflix. It's a rise of black artists in film. Um, to wrap up the the interview, I want to just uh, do a set. This is a special segment where we do uh, fast round questions. Okay? Sure. Okay. So this is uh, I'll ask you some questions, and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Could be dangerous. Uh, <laughs> it could be. <laughs> um, who is someone you would like to work with? Um. It, the, I'm working with Ava DuVernay. Hey, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> Love that. Um, what is your favorite word? Uh, it's French, formidable. And what does that mean? Uh, it means fantastic, amazing. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, it's, it's like there, there is no literal translation for it in English. How many uh, languages do you speak? Uh, I speak Portuguese fluently. Nice. Uh, I speak a little bit of Spanish, French, and a little bit of Italian. That's amazing. I live in Europe. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm a European <laughs> black everywhere. man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your least favorite word? Um, no. No, okay. What's something uh, that uh, turns you on? That, I told you it's a dangerous question. <laughs> um, intelligence. Oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Something that turns you off. Uh, stupidity. Mm, I agree with that one. Yeah. <laughs> What's a sound or noise that you love? Oh, um, sound or noise that I love. Um, I don't know. Uh, that's that's a difficult one. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, sweet sound of a clarinet. Clarinet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what is the sound or noise that you hate? Um, when when people um, like the sound of chalk on a blackboard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brings brings back memories. Yeah. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to participate in? Um, you know, it, it's I I always liked I loved that film Hitch with um with Will with Smith. Will Smith yeah. yeah, I would love to have been Hitch. Oh okay, like yeah. a, a, a some kind <laughs> of romance ther- therapist. Romance yeah. therapist. Yeah. <laughs> and last but not least. Heaven exists. You get up to God. What would you like to hear him say to you? Um, <laughs> what would I like God to say to me? Um, would you like to go back down and try again? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first time I ever had that response. <laughs> That was amazing. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you. you on. Thank you very much. Uh, and thank thank you. you so much for joining me in the studio. Folks, thank you for watching. Uh, go ahead and like, subscribe. Also, shout out to Kevin Undergaro and Maria Menounos for allowing me to bring these amazing guests in every week and share their stories. And also, you can check out season one of Inside the Black Actors Studio on www.theonchannel.com. You can go ahead and stream that. And Simon, go ahead and tell everyone where to find you on social media. Yeah, sure. Um, so on Twitter, you can find me at artist Simon F. On Instagram, I am Simon Frederick, both words together. Um, and I don't really do Facebook. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, please hit me up. Yeah. Um, tell me what you think of the show. Watch the show. Tweet the show. You know, share the show with your friends. Um, but above all, tell me what you think. Yes, yeah. for sure. And then we'll have a uh, link to the show at the bottom of this uh, episode as well. Uh, I'm definitely going to go watch all, all of it now because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> they've got to have us because they do. They, they got to have us. Oh. They really do. We have to have ourselves too. We have to have ourselves too. I love yeah. that. That's somewhere. And then you can find me everywhere at I am Danny Royce. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week, same place, same time, inside the Black Actor Studio. Stay blessed. digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture check out our black hollywood live youtube page for even more great programming and amazing content and be sure to subscribe and like our channel when you do i'm your bhl host nakia monet and you can find me on all social media at kiki boom boom or at black hollywood live black hollywood live hollywood redefined